I say this all the time. We joke about it, but I also know that you guys understand we're not going chapter at a time every Wednesday night and moving on to another chapter because we want to make sure we know what we're talking about. And, and I, I'm confident that everybody in this room understands that the Word of God is quick and powerful, which means it's alive. The word quick means alive. It is living, and you can take one verse and read it today and then read that verse tomorrow, and it seems like it, it, does, it doesn't take on a new meaning in the sense that it changes. It's just it affects you more. You, you grow. The word is It's almost like, I don't know how to say it. It's like you get a pair of pants and you grow into them. You know, the more you... The more you you ha the longer you you have them, the more they they fit. But I don't. Know how, I'm making stuff up now, but you know what I'm saying. So, yes, we are going to finish up eight through thirteen tonight, but we're going to finish with a bang. I I think that this will really tie everything together, um, and I think when we finish up tonight, you you will be a very very good uh, student of what the the overarching will and plan of God uh, for us specifically us now it's not any different than what it was in the garden it's the same yesterday today and forever but I, I think this will help us to kind of close up any gaps in terms of the, um, the, the, the liberalism and the legalism that both haunt the church today okay now, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles, right? We know, we, we know what this word is. We've discussed it at length. We know Gentiles equals nations. We, we understand this now, okay? Paul says, Paul says that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Remember, for the Jews, the Gentiles were heathens. They were pagans. They were unacceptable. They were disgusting and vile and wretched because they did not keep the law of God. Paul, remember from our studies, the Jew of all Jews, the, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, is the one recording, writing this letter. He is the one who is speaking, and he says, that the Gentiles, it's the will of God, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And then he quotes Old Testament scripture. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all you Gentiles and laud him all you people. And again Isaiah says, how many times has he, he's, he's repeated this three and four times now. Isaiah says, these are witnesses, these are different statements that have been made. Isaiah says, there shall be a root out of Jesse, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. It is the will of God by multiple Old Testament witnesses. Witnesses in parentheses because these are different chapter and verse of Old Testament scripture that were written by various different people that serve as witnesses. If all of the Psalms that, we, that, that Paul quotes 
were from David. That's one witness, and, and I'm not... The next would be Isaiah. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the Bible says, then let a thing be established. So what Paul is saying to these Jews and Gentiles of this Roman church, specifically speaking to the Jews, he's saying, I have two or three witnesses from the Old Testament that say it's the will of God for the Gentiles to be saved. So to the law keeper, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. What has he just done? He's established it. Okay. So it is established that it is the will of God that the Gentiles or the nations would be saved. Correct? See. Paul then shifts gears and says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Why would there need to be joy and peace in believing? Because there would be many Jews who would find this very, very, very disheartening. Because all of their life they were taught that the Gentiles would serve them one day. That the Gentiles were almost not human. You know what I mean? And now Paul is saying to them, I, don't, I hate to be the guy to bust your bubble, but based on... The Old Testament law, I'm sorry, based on the law of Moses, let, let a thing be established out of the confession or the witness or the testimony of two or three witnesses. And Paul has provided ample evidence to substantiate the, the claim that he's making, which is a valid, legitimate, biblical principle from the Old Testament that God wanted the Gentiles to be saved. Period. It did not matter what tradition had said. It did not matter what horrible things had happened. Had the Gentiles ran over Israel? Yes, they had, many times. From the, uh, uh, help me, the first, uh, the, uh, goodness gracious, what's the first kingdom? Not the Egyptians, before the Egyptians and, and before the Babylonians. What, are, what were those people called? Um, starts with an A. Assyrians. Assyrians, Egyptians, Babylonians, uh, Persians, Greeks, Romans, all had taken possession of the land that God had said that he would give to Abraham and his descendants, right? There was a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of judgment, a lot of vindictiveness, a lot of revenge that people wanted for things that had been done to them. And Paul says to them, may God fill you with peace and joy. Peace and joy in what? In believing. Believing what? Believing what God says and not what people say. Believing what God says and not what people say. Do you know how important that is? There are a lot of things that are being said in churches today that are not what God said. There are a lot, that's liberalism and legalism. There are a lot of things, a lot of ideas that are being taught that are not true. It always cracks me up, Everett, when I see a bunch of Gentiles standing up and talking about how the Gentiles are awful and evil. It's never, it's never not been the will of God 
that whosoever should come. It's always been his will. Always been his will. Paul says, the mouth of two or three witnesses, we have established that it is the will of God for the nations, the Gentiles, to be saved. And I, I am praying for you to have peace and joy in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So Paul is saying, instead of, re, instead of relying on your personal feelings, that you may abound in hope. And instead of doing it through your own power and your own strength, your flesh, which will always mislead you, do it through the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's take a little journey here. Now we're going to talk about the Gentiles, but in talking about the Gentiles, I want you to go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Actually, open your Bible and go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, and I want to show you some things tonight, and then we'll, we'll wrap up this section and move on to the next, next section next week. Romans chapter 4 is where we're going. Romans chapter 4. And we're going to read, we're going to read through uh, you know, several portions of it, but I want us to make sure we understand what we're looking at. In, in, in light of where we currently are. Okay. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? Now, this is Paul writing in Romans 4. So, this is still Paul. He refers to our forefather. And the forefather was Abraham. These are the legitimate carnal genetic descendants of Abraham if Abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about but not before God for what does the scripture say Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness now to the one who works his wages are not counted as a gift but as his due and to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly his faith is also counted, or his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. What does David say is blessed? The one whose sin is forgiven. He doesn't say blessed is the one who's born of the offspring of Abraham. Because there would be many who would be descendants of Abraham who would not be believers. Jesus literally said this. He looked at the Pharisees one day and he said, there are many of you standing here today who shall not taste of death until you see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great glory. And, and that's fine, Siri, but you can talk about that later. That's freaking me out, man. I'm going to tell you a funny story real quick. I was at the funeral home last night talking to Brian, and I said, man, I remember they used to have these suckers at the ball field when I was little. We were talking about mixed drinks. <laughs> great topic for Wednesday night Baptist Bible study. But he, he said, yeah, I like to mix Pepsi and Diet, or Coke and Diet Coke together. And then somebody said, yeah, I'll do that with tea, sweet tea and unsweet tea. 
I like when I was a kid, we'd go to the Baghdad baseball field and we'd go and get our cup and tell the guy to give us, we want one of everything. And they, they'd splash the Sprite, the Melly Yellow, the Dr. Pepper, the Pepsi and all that all in one cup. And we'd drink that while we took these certain suckers. They looked like, like ovals. They had one color on top, one color. We'd dip them down in there. And I mean, I was telling them my mom ought to be committed. Uh, locked up for, for my teeth. I mean, I can't believe I still have teeth this day. But I was talking about those suckers. I said, I don't know what you call them, but I used to love them. You know what I did today? I'll tell you how creepy social media is. I opened up Facebook, right? I opened up Facebook. Guess what's sitting there looking at me? There's a meme, and it says, nobody knows what these things were called, but we all loved them. It was those suckers. I, th I was like, boy, if I hadn't paid for this thing already, I'd throw it in the river. I would throw it in the river. Because last night my conversation was, I don't know what these suckers are called, but this is what they look like. And then there is a meme that somebody has shared that says, no one knows what these are called, but we all love And it was exactly the sucker that I described. Freaked me out. So when she started talking in my pocket, I was just like, just take me now. I mean, go on, get me. I know you're coming for me. When Jesus says they will not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming, what he was saying was, some of you are so, well, your traditions, your idea that because you are the child of Abraham by genetics, not a child of faith like Abraham, because of that, the, on the day that I return, your pe the Pharisees, you, the same traditions, will be standing there looking at me, and you will not understand how wrong you are until I come and judge what you are doing. So when, when Paul says, David says, blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. What he is saying is it is not, you're not blessed because of the traditions that you keep or because of some title that you have within the church or whatever else it may be that entices you. He says it is not who your forefather is. It is not, oh, I am so blessed because I am a, child of Abraham. No, I am blessed because my sin is forgiven. So the theme that Paul is bringing here in Romans 4 is not much different. He writes a whole letter to set up what he's saying here in Romans 15. And what he's saying here in Romans 4 is that it is not about what you do or what group you're a part of. It is about whether or not you have personally experienced the mercy and grace of God that is displayed in Jesus taking away your sin. Now, he says in here in Romans 4, Paul is going to clear up something here. Verse 9, is the blessing then only for the circumcised or is it also for the uncircumcised? Circumcised, Jewish. Uncircumcised, not Jewish or Gentile. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It wasn't after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Who is the them he's referring to? The Gentiles. 
and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So what Paul is saying in Romans 4 is leading up to, or is the, is being, you're seeing the culmination of it here in Romans 15. He is saying that Abraham was justified by faith before he was circumcised. And then he was circumcised and became the father of all those who would come after. The father of those who would be the Jews through whom the, the, the righteousness of God would be revealed in Christ. Literally, in Jesus coming to earth. So what Paul says here is Abraham was the spiritual and natural father of faith. Not saying that before Abraham there wasn't faith on the earth. There was, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. What he's saying here is that Abraham was not just a natural father. He was a spiritual father in the sense that it was by his faith that he believed God and trusted in God, and God made him righteous based on his trust and faith in the Lord, not in, in the sacrifice, not in himself. And because of that faith, that faith justified him. And then Abraham did works afterward, meaning God told him to be circumcised, and he did it because God told him to. There are things in our lives that we no longer do because the Lord has told us to not do them, right? Is there anybody in this room whose life changed after you come to Jesus or since you've been following the Lord, some things have changed? Of course they have. But were you justified before those things changed? Yes, you were. You sure were. Remember that the next time you want to pass judgment on someone who's not as perfect as you think they should be. Keep that in mind. And that is exactly what Paul is saying here. Now, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. Therefore, he became the father of the nation through whom the Messiah would come. So Abraham became a father to a, to a nation. A nation, meaning one, one nation. Jesus, standing there that day, talking to the Pharisees, they said, we are the chosen people. Why did they think they were the chosen people? Because we are the sons of Abraham, right? And Jesus calls them out, and they say, you don't even know who your father is. That's what they said. They said, oh, we know who our father is. We know. Who's your father? We know why they said that, because of the uh, Mary being, you know, conceiving a child, the work of the Holy Spirit. So they question him. Jesus responds to them and says, If you knew the Father, you would know me. If you loved God, you would love me also, because I am the one who came from him. So when, when we think of a nation that would come from Abraham, it was not the natural nation of Israel alone that is being spoken of here. It's a nation 
of believers that would follow after him. Now, let's look here. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Just quickly, let me say this. If ever there were a time, imagine if you lived in the days of the printing press. Dave can talk to us about that. When, when the, the Gutenberg press came into being, and now you could widely distribute books, specifically the Bible, and, and people could have it translated into their language, which the Catholic Church was totally against because they wanted to be the arbiter of all information and authority and law, especially that which was spiritual, because that way they could control the economy, the government, and everything else. So now you have the Bible being printed and, and able to be sent out across the, the known world, right? And that was amazing. That was, that was just absolutely unbelievable for that time. Anybody got one of these? Right now, I can dial a number, and I can FaceTime somebody in Zimbabwe. Instant. I, I, we, we put out a... You need to go listen to the podcast from yesterday. Jennifer did a wonderful job. Wonderful, amazing job. Uh, I, interviewed, it, I interviewed my wife. She tells her story. If, I would highly recommend you listen to it. But anybody can pick up their phone, and all they got to do is type in Revivinary. They can be in, in, in Great Britain. They can be in Saudi, well, maybe not Saudi Arabia, but they, they probably block it there in China. But my point is, with the technology we have, it is very possible for the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. You know, the Bible in Revelation, which we'll kick up our studies in September, but um, in the book of Revelation, talks about the two witnesses being killed, executed, and their bodies lay in the street, and the whole world watches them. You know what I found? So creep you out, man. Freak you out. I'm, I'm a weirdo, okay? I've gotten into watching these videos on YouTube, live cameras. There's these bears in Alaska, and they catch salmon. They're, they're in the, you know how the salmon swim upstream? Well, these bears, I turn it on, it's it's coolest thing ever. I watch it for like 20, 30 minutes, and Jennifer is like, so this is how it ends, huh? This is how it ends for you. But these bears will stand there in the in the waterfall, and these fish will jump up, and they'll bite at them. And it, it's, it's hilarious because they can, Emmy, Jennifer can be in the bedroom, and Emmy can be in her room. When that bear catches a fish, it's like a football game. I go, woo, there we go. Yeah, I got him one. Whoa. Well, I've been looking at these, they do look at these different cameras. Like there's a, there's a camera that sits at the railroad track in LaGrange. It's a live camera. You can see live, I watched live camera of Sturgis when they had the bike, uh, bike rally. I, you can, they have cameras all over the world. You can, I could be sitting in my house at 9 o'clock, and I can watch the, the uh, um, what is Venice. I can watch, watch the, 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 this, there's a specific camera that shines on this, this one bridge there in Venice. Now, it's like 4 a.m. over there, 5 a.m., so there are no boats going down. But if you time it right, you can watch people going down the boat. They got cameras in South Korea you can watch. Cameras all, St. Petersburg. There's a camera where people are driving down the road. I, it, it's, it, or, or, or it's on the, on the street there. Absolutely amazing. But this is the one that got me. There are at least four, maybe five, six different camera views of the Wailing Wall. The Western Wall in Jerusalem. And all day long, you see these devout Jews that we're talking about tonight. 
when I'm talking about Jesus talking to those people, these are those people. And they are standing there like inches from that wall and just bobbing back and forth and reading their Bible verses and praying. They're waiting for the Messiah to come. And I'm not kidding, y'all. I was watching that the other night, and all of a sudden it hit me. And it was, I'm not, I'm not, I, I wasn't scared. I don't mean it like that, but you ever got cold chills when something becomes real? Like you, oh my goodness. And I thought to myself, oh boy, what if this is the live feed that will show the two witnesses laying in the street? What if this is it? So do I believe that we are probably in the end times? Yeah, I do. I do. And this is just another reminder of that. Now, I want to explain this. Jesus says to all nations, the gospel will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. The word testimony, some people translate that as a judgment against them. I'm testifying that the nations are wicked. It's not what Jesus is saying. What are you and I called to do? Go into all the world and do what? Teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to be a witness to the world of who He is. To give our testimony. That's the cool thing about Christians is we don't, we don't go around telling somebody about what Jesus has done for someone else, although we can tell those stories. But the real power of the believer is when they share their own testimony, their own story. This is what... I know because this is what he did for me. Jesus says it's that we are to, to go to the whole world. And then he says here that the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Why all nations? Why does the gospel have to go out to all nations before the end will come? Why is that? And what in the world pro produced all nations? Where does this come from? The idea of all nations. Where did Abraham come from? You don't know where he came from? Ur of the Chaldees. Do you know what that was? That was one of the nations. God plucked Abraham out of one of the nations and said, I am going to make from you a whole other nation of people. Right? I just told you I watched the live camera there in Jerusalem of that people, that nation, that nation we know today as Israel. They are very much alive and well. Does anybody here know any other nations? South Korea, China, India, Australia, which Australia is Britain, but still, none of that. You get my point. Think of, all, think of all the different people groups. Think of all of them. How did that happen? How did that happen? I'm going to show you. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. What's happening here in Genesis 11? The Tower of Babel. And because of the sin of the people in their rebellion against the will of God, God says, I'm going to disperse you across the whole face of the earth. I'm going to remove you from this one place that you all have gathered to. Everyone had gathered in Babel, well, gathered there where the Tower of Babel was. Everyone had come to Babel. And they had all combined their forces. And they had technology like you wouldn't believe. They had 
an economy, a government, a system of governance. It was unbelievable what they were able to do. It would almost put you in mind of what the World Economic Forum or what the nations of the world today are trying to accomplish, but I didn't say that. Don't lock me up. Think about this. Everyone has come to Babel. God says, I'm going to send you all away from Babel. Not only am I going to send you all away, so they left off the building of the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, some commentators, preachers will tell you that, and that was a judgment on the nations, and that's why everybody's going to hell. Only people not going to hell are those that are in the church because the church has replaced Israel as the chosen people of God. If you ever hear that, I want you to do something. I want you to find a wall, and I want you to run through it, make a door, and get out of there as fast as you can. As fast as you can. Before... Before what we read, now, ah, sometimes I get excited. I get ahead of myself. I mean, I'm not saying it. I'm cool. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right. But in my head, I'm going, because I'm so excited. But I can't do that yet, because then you'll be like, well, he's lost his mind. What's he dancing for? Before the Lord dispersed them, before the Lord dispersed them, them, before them, oh, this is going to sound like a social justice thing. Before them became they. Before them became they, what were what 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 was they? What was it? I don't even know how to say that. Before them become they. Watch. At the Tower of Babel, all people, all people. You know what all people means? That means all of these people that become nations that we know today, all of them were there at Babel. You know what they all did? They all spoke the same language. They all were in agreement. Do you know who was there in Babel? All nations. So that means that there in Babel would be representatives from the line of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons of Noah, all would be present there. And they all were one people, or they were all one nation. Then the Lord dispersed them because of what they had done. But he hadn't forgotten about them. He hadn't abandoned them. He hadn't given up on them. It was the will of God that whosoever would believe would be saved regardless of their nationality. So when God disperses them across the face of the planet, it was not for the purpose of abandoning them or deserting them or leaving them to their own devices so he can judge them. Rather, it was for the purpose of revealing his great and amazing love that even though these people had rebelled against him yet still his great grace and mercy would be not only available but would be pursuing them and let me show you what I mean 
Because the same one, the very same one, who did this? The Lord did this. That means that Jesus was involved in the dispersing of the nations, correct? Yes, he was. Jesus was involved in this. He dispersed them. What does Jesus say here? Go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. Go, not just make disciples, but baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those who were many people have now become one. But on the day of Pentecost, what was the purpose of them being able to speak in all these different languages? It goes back to Genesis 11. When he confused their languages and they could no longer speak to one another, he gives his disciples the power to go out in the, in the Spirit and preach a message and not only do the people, are the people amazed that this, this, they called them uneducated men, would be able to speak the way they were. I mean, speaking like as in preaching the way they did. But then people began to say, we are hearing them speak in our own languages. That means that people from Africa, people from India, people from the Chinese region, people that were coming from up near Russia, they were coming to Jerusalem to worship, and these Jews were saying, how are these uneducated men speaking to us in our own language? What was the purpose of it? Because God had not forgotten the people that he had dispersed because of their sin. He was still, still remembering them. And Jesus himself says to us to go to them. Go to the nations. Don't go to your own church and try to save the people in your church again and again and again and again and talk about how bad the world is or become isolationists and give up on the world and start being lazy and internalizing everything. And now you begin to develop your own, tra oh, there we go, traditions, your own ideas. He says to go to the nations. And to teach them whatsoever, or to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is the end of the age? He says, the gospel will go forth into all the world, and then the end will come. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is Jesus saying here to his church, to his disciples, to his people? He's saying, go and do the work that I've called you to do. I am going to be with you until it's complete. Who, instru who instigated the going forth of the people to preach to the nations? Jesus did. Who said, I will complete that work for you? Jesus did. Who said, I will be with you even to the end of the age? That means that what he said 2,000 years ago applies to you and I tonight. We are still in the process of being a witness to the Gentiles, to the nations, to those who don't know. What are we witnessing? What are we telling people? We are telling them that Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose again so that you and I could be made new, made whole, made clean. That's our message. Our message is not tradition, it is not law, it is not. It is Christ and Him crucified. Should you keep all of the law? Yep, you should, but you can't. But He did. You don't have to. 
And he did it freely. And because of what he did, you can be born again. That's our message. That's it. Well, brother, you've got to clean them up. Man, listen. I can't clean myself up. How am I going to clean them up? Well, brother, you're just being ignorant, immature. Ignorant and immature. It, it, listen. It's a child. It puts a towel around his neck, jumps out the van window and says he's Superman. It was my grandfather that said, you probably ought not do that. I watched another funny video. This little kid come, all you can hear him is go, woo, that's what you hear. And you hear the, I mean, the awful sound. I thought, oh my goodness, this child has broken every bone in his body. The kid's at the top of the flight of the stairs. He has his Superman cape on. And he just jumps. He lands, hits the floor, and bounces six times and rolls around. His dad said, you going to do that again? And he says, <laughs> he says, that cape don't make you Superman, boy. There's a whole lot of people in the church that think they're Superman. I tell you what, you cut them whiskers off your face and you trim that hair and you can be a Jesus man. I'm like, well, how about you go take a walk and jog off that beer belly, buddy? Then maybe we can have a conversation. But see, that's how fights and wars start, isn't it? See, that preacher's not my enemy. He's my mission field. Weren't expecting that twist, were you? Oh, no. I, you got to fight him. No. got to love him. I've got to win him. Because Jesus loves him just as much as he loves a Gentile. Because he's a Gentile, too. Listen to what happens here in Genesis. Do you remember the first dispersing? The first disbursement that took place in this world that God created? And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and he clothed them. This is after Adam and Eve have sinned and God forgives their sin, covers them with the skins of an animal, which means a sacrifice was made. That sacrifice covered Adam and Eve, but what happens next? God takes them and puts them out of the garden and sends them out. He disperses them into the world. What happens after God disperses Adam and Eve? Well, you're going to find this hard to believe, but they made kids. They made kids. Well, that's not a very good discussion topic for a Bible study. But that's what happened. When a man and woman come together, sometimes they have kids. Well, what happened? They've been dispersed from the garden because of their sin. They are aware of what sin is. They are also aware of what mercy and grace is. Were they mad that they were no longer in the garden? Did they get mad and turn their back on God after what God had done for them? Or did they tell people about what God had done for them? Do you know what one of the greatest mission fields you have is? Your own home. How can you win the world if you can't win your own home? Now, now that, that, that gets misused sometimes, and, and, and people will beat other people up with that, especially preachers. Boy, that kid of yours is wild as a coot. How are you going to stand up here and preach? Like, well, I'll let you in here, don't I? So what happens next? Adam knew his, Eve, his wife. <clears throat> that means that they came together. 
And she conceived and bore who? Cain. And said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Meaning, now, because of the, the goodness of, and grace of God, he is going to allow us to procreate and continue on because I have a man. I know that you're going to find this hard to believe if you graduated from the school system recently or in the school system now. But it takes a man and a woman to come together and produce children. Do you know what happens if everybody becomes a they-them? We don't have any of them anymore. Everything goes away. Right? I was, I was totally cool. They're back there laughing, and I was fine with it. But it was L.A. looking out the window laughing that cracked me up. You broke me, man. Thanks a lot. I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. That means one was a shepherd, one was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and, the fat, and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard, or it means he accepted Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. He didn't want the fruit of the ground, he wanted what? Sacrifice, his sheep. So Cain was, Cain was very angry, and his face fell. That means his countenance changed. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, then sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Why does, or what does God mean when he asks Cain, have you, have you done the right thing? You wouldn't be upset if you'd done the right thing. How did Cain know what the right thing was? How did Abel know what the right thing was? Because his mama and his daddy taught him. He, they witnessed to them about the goodness and the grace of God. Cain rejected what his parents said. Abel accepted what his parents said. God dispersed Adam and Eve out of the garden, but yet he kept his covenant of love and mercy to them when they told their children. Their children would go on, and from that line of Abel, they said, my goodness, we're going to see great things happen. There is a believer that has come from our line and then Cain kills Abel but God gives him another son Seth right is that right another boy named Seth and the Bible says that from Seth's son on people began to call on the name of the Lord you know what that means they're having church there was a group of people that were witnessing well then the flood comes right flood comes after the flood this happens when this happens the descendants of Shem one of the sons of Noah they continued on in the belief and the faith and the practice of the sacrifice that God would one day send a Messiah, that he would fulfill his promise and his covenant of love and mercy, and they knew that it would happen. They were confident that it would happen. They believed it would happen. And what come from this disbursement of the people? 
the preaching and the teaching of the gospel and we see that culminated in what happens at the at the day of Pentecost nothing about the will and the plan of God has changed in the garden when Adam and Eve were dispersed they preached the gospel at the at the flooding of the earth and at our Noah and his sons going forth and repopulating the earth what happens the preaching of the gospel when the languages are confused guess what happens the preaching of the gospel nothing has changed so today nothing has changed about what you and I are supposed to be doing we are to be going to the nations and preach to the Gentiles to those who don't believe to those who don't know and telling them about the love and the mercy of God Paul says to the church at Corinth pagans heathens Gentiles and I when I came to you brothers what does he call them brothers because they are not brothers of this one nation that came from Abraham in terms of the Jews they are all one nation one people or as Jesus calls it one kingdom because of their faith and their trust in Jesus but I when I came to you brothers meaning before you were believers before you were believers hear this all right we might have to come back to this verse again next week but that's okay not this verse but this section of verses I came to you When I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Listen to this from Second Chronicles. This is Solomon. Likewise, when a foreigner, this is his prayer, likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a country, a far country, for your sake, or for the sake of your great name, and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, and do as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. This is Solomon, the son of David. It was David's desire to build a temple. He couldn't do it. God said, your son will do it. And listen to this prayer. Do you think David is, or do you think Solomon is saying anything different than what his father would say? David was a mighty warrior, and he's going to fight all the nations. No, David was a mighty lover of God, and he was going to establish a city uh, uh, through which, and literally by which, the people might be saved. What did David fight against? What did he fight against? He warred against those who were trying to corrupt or destroy the, 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 the line of the Messiah, the people of the Messiah coming to the earth. They were enemies of the cross. They were enemies. There were, and there are. But listen to the Psalms. What does David say? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation from day to day, declare His glory among the His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. 
Later he says, For all the, uh, the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And I'll go ahead and throw Isaiah in here since Paul did earlier. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be His servants... You realize that this is everything that Israel says they only are allowed to do. Only we are the ones who can minister, love, and know Him. But He says to the foreigner, seeks to minister to the Lord and love the Lord, the name of the Lord, and to be His servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices to me will be accepted. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for what? All nations.